Welcome back to Pop Cannon. This is episode 11, and today we are talking all about Captain Marvel. I'm Jordan. I'm Robert. Uh, I'm Andrew. And I'm Brian. So yeah, guys, uh, Marvel's Captain Marvel was a thing. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. It, it te- technically still is. Mm. Yeah. Marvel Studios film, Marvel's Captain Marvel. Marvel. It's a Marvel. It was a Marvel it's, at the theater. It's pronounced Marvel. <laughs> but Jordan, we're not even washing dishes. <sighs> this isn't the 90s. Oh, God. Uh, but uh, yeah, Captain Marvel, as we all know, um, debuted in Wiz Comics 1940. Of course. Did it? <laughs> Actually sold better than Superman in its uh, 1940s <laughs> run. Uh, the story of uh are you guys gonna stop me or am i just gonna <laughs> i'm just waiting to see how long how far you're gonna go with it yeah i we were legitimately like okay he's gonna bring us to school that's cool <laughs> he is now going by the name of shazam <laughs> oh oh i see what you've done yeah yes Wait, was it Wiz comics i think so <laughs> it was Wiz comics okay nice nice so captain marvel starring brie larson uh Written and directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Mm-hmm. Well, written by at least six other people as well. The, yeah, well, but... there's... Written by five people. <laughs> yeah, when that came up in the credits, I was like, wow, that's a lot of people. And, and it, 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 it's, things started to make a little bit more sense sure. with that. Sure. Because so many movies that have a huge, uh, huge writer's room turn out so well. Yeah. So I guess let's let's let a little backstory here. Uh, Brian and Robert, you both saw Captain Marvel and an advanced screening, correct? Ooh, we did. That is true. And yes. you can read our reactor canon reviews of that on Facebook. Oh. And on and on Wild Thirteen Productions. Yeah, that's right. Dot com. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> Gotta plug it. Uh, so yeah, f- what were your initial thoughts upon walking out of the theater? I can tell you exactly what my thoughts were after the post credit scene. I turned to Rob and I just made a grimace. <laughs> I just uh, was like, no. Uh, yeah, it was, um, it was kind of that. Yeah. Uh, once the credits started rolling, Brian and I do this thing where we don't immediately look at each other. <laughs> we let them kind of, we let it kind of marinate for a minute. And then uh, before the mid-credit scene had played, we kind of both had the same face as we turned to each other slowly. Uh, and I, and as soon as I saw Brian's face, I thanked God that he he and I wouldn't have to argue over the merits of this film. Because <laughs> that face equaled we are in 100% agreement on this. Right. And I was so, so fucking thankful. Uh and and then yeah, once the the post credit tag that we waited so long and not and did not piss beforehand to see, uh, <laughs> certainly worth the wait. As I take a massive gulp down my gullet, um, yeah. Andrew, uh, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, initial thoughts. I mean, I walked out of the theater. I was I was pretty happy. I didn't um, I didn't love it, you know. I didn't think it was the best, but I, I had a good time. And kind of the more I sat and marinated on it, the more I kind of picked certain elements out that I didn't like, and that kind of tarnished it for me a little bit. 
So what, what you're saying is the more you thought about it? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of had the same experience as Andrew. Um, although parts of the movie made me actually facepalm and audibly sigh. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, um, yes. But, I mean, for the most part, it was okay. I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't love it. And I was just kind of, like, left a little upset yeah. by it. I it felt almost I, felt as though upon walking out of the theater as the credits rolled, the filmmakers looked at you and went, why don't you smile more? (laughs) (laughs) So, Robert, you had said that you had seen it a second time, and the internal logic of the film bothered you even more the second viewing. Yeah, for me, uh, knowing what was coming and and being able to watch from the beginning and to know the ending, um, the through line from the beginning to the end uh is okay but just the rest of the stuff that they heaped into it starts to fall apart as you as you try to the the more threads you pull from this the the faster and wilder it spins out of control into just absolute insanity almost anarchy yeah um just just right from right from the beginning uh, if there was any, if there's anyone that was in the theater that thought Yon Rog, Jude Law's character, was not going to be the ultimate bad guy of the film, I'd like you to write me a letter on a postcard and get a stamp and and send it in the mail via USPS because that's how slow you are. <laughs> how could you have not seen? That that is exactly what's going to happen, and it's not a matter of oh my god, I wonder if it's just an eventual. When's he going to turn on her? When's it going to happen? And and this isn't even like coming from a comic book. Well, we read the comics kind of thing because I I don't read Captain Marvel. No, but uh, that's a that's but a that's flat just, out just storytelling issue. Yeah, you can't have your turn paper thin, like wafer. Christ wafer on Sunday thin. You could see the light through it if you hold it up to it. So I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see that turn. <clears throat> I mean, I saw it before it happened, but I didn't see it until later. But that's only because the beginning of the film is so fucking confusing. Oh, the disorientation that they just heap on you in the first hour. Yeah. 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 Like it's it, the, the the story is so all over the place in the first hour. I was just trying to tell what the fuck was happening. <laughs> Because, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe you, you kind of have to be a little bit aware of the comics that I knew that Carol Danvers wasn't a fucking Cree. So right. the the beginning shot of her bleed, bleeding blue blood or green blood, whatever it is, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then they're like acting like she's a Cree. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And and as that keeps going, and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? And then it, be- it started to become clearer of what they were doing. I'm like, oh, really? You know, so no, I didn't. I didn't see that right away. Um, I, I will. I totally agree with you that the turn was really, really loose. Like it was just no. Well, I'm. I will. I'm expecting my postcard then, Brian. <laughs> well, it's because we didn't even get to know Star Force, the group that you know. It was just kind of like, oh, well, here's this group. All right, they're gone for an hour and a half. Oh, here they are again. Yeah, f- for a for a fan base of people. 
who complained about Suicide Squad's multiple introductions in the film Suicide Squad um, <laughs> to get the lack of an introduction to the Star Force team other than uh, that guy who kind of looks like the guy who said who in Guardians of the Galaxy because he is him saying, I was looking at my own face. And what I like, what it was looking back at me, I didn't like. And then somebody going, objectively, you're a handsome fella. Uh, that was the inter- introduction we got to the team. And then Yon Rog walks in and is like, "Here it is, dog. We're laying down the plan, and that's what it is." And then we we land on we we take off immediately from a planet that had uh, Andrew uh, Hala. How was Hala for you? Okay. Hello. Remember how we discussed uh, at one point in the future? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and possibly. I don't really know this timeline yet, but um, certain sci-fi tropes that just happen to appear in every single sci-fi movie, like the the goddamn city that Hollow, you know, like the the, empl- the uh, pre-Empire capital city, whatever. Yeah, it was, it was the same mm-hmm. city it's with the flying same cars. As it is. Right. Yes, and it's the same gray city they have in every goddamn sci-fi movie. <laughs> I remember sitting there thinking, like, well, all right, I, I just saw this. You know. <laughs> when you watched Alter Carbon? <laughs> yes. And again, like, in Blade Runner. And again, in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. And again, in, liter- like, 50 Development, yeah, Star Wars yeah, yeah. at some points. You know, yeah. like... Coruscant, yeah. It's literally the same city. Like I, I imagine uh, Joel Kinnaman's character from Altered Carbon is walking on those streets. <laughs> He's a Cree. Oh God! <laughs> it's just frustrating. But again, I'm not a huge sci-fi guy, so it's just like. Uh... But to see that city again, weren't you enamored? Yeah. And then weren't you so happy that we didn't spend one second within it? Hey, that subway <laughs> looked a lot like. Any other fucking transport <laughs> you could find in a sci-fi. What movie. about the sodium lighting, though? <laughs> oh, everything was green. I haven't seen that before either. <laughs> Andrew's also colorblind. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> everything in the subway was orange. Oh, okay. Well, for a fucking that really shows you how invested that I was. Right. Oh man. Um, I was really good. just angry seeing the same city for the fifth time. I guess. <laughs> but. I- so that's that's one thing that I had an an issue with with this movie, and that's this is across the board. They didn't do anything to make anything feel special, right? Like with well, any of the characters. Well, other than one thing, well, we'll <laughs> everything get was not we'll special. Get, we'll get we'll get to that. They wanted <laughs> but, you to think they wanted you to, they wanted you to think that that Carol is special, but that's that's pretty much it. Just because they someone tells you on screen that someone's special doesn't make it true. How dare you, Jordan? I I love being told what to think while I'm in the theater. Huge, by the movie I'm watching. Huge exposition scenes. <laughs> and that's it. That was all those characters were there for. Was just to give you the exposition and to get the hell out of here. I saw I saw someone complain about the actress. Uh, that was like the sharpshooter from 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 Minerva. Yeah, apparently that's a, a good actress. I don't know what else she's been in. Yeah, and they were like, Chan, she's been in a lot of stuff. And they were like, she was just relegated to a to a a a, 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 
over like an overdone extra essentially and i was like yeah pretty much that's pretty accurate to them that whole team that entire even, team of star force was even uh i'll go as far as to say like ronin oh my god like uh, him showing up like you would think that there'd be more to that and we never we were never established a relationship there other all right, than so I feel like that was charge. more just like this is the universe. Remember, it's all in universe, right? So I've got this is the cosmic level of Marvel, right? I've got two major gripes that I want to address just right now because it's covered. This involves both of them. So, so the first one is that after we saw the Kree in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then we were told that the Kree were going to be involved in Captain Marvel, I was actually excited. Yes, I was like, oh wow! So this will be the movie that fleshes out. The Kree, we get, you know, for anyone who's watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's glimpses of them as well, that the, the Kree are involved in those storylines a little bit, but not going to the Kree homeworld or anything. And I was like, oh, cool, we're going to, you know, Star Force and all this shit. And then it's just like, no, <laughs> no, you don't, yeah. you, you, you're, we're going to just dip your toe in it a little bit again. But this would have been the film to do that, but they didn't do that. There's, there's no other film to do it. Right. Really, there isn't. Um, so that, that was, that's one of my big gripes. And then the other one is, is the involvement of these characters from previous MCU films like Ronan, the accuser, like Korath, who was on star force. Um, it really just felt like they were thrown in Andrew, like you said, just like, Hey, Hey, remember these guys from guardians? Like remember guardians, remember how good guardians was guardians was good. So by association, this will be good because these characters were in guardians. Yeah. And I get, so I get not using Ronan as, uh, like the the main antagonist, right? Like I understand that because then you're doing that twice in in two films. So I, I don't have him in the fucking movie at all. Or yeah, or don't have him in the movie at all because his inclusion kind of doesn't make sense. I get that he's like a um, he's like a a, a Cree terrorist essentially, where he's well, he's, like, he's, he's super he's fundamental like in his Cree belief. Not yet. Well, no, but he's. I, but I, what I'm saying is like they use him as uh a false flag operation essentially right we're on a podcast brian we get to say false flag operation <laughs> um quiet the, the 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 silent black helicopters are on their way <laughs> but no but like that's essentially like if you think about what they used him for so so yon rog calls him in to bomb like carpet bomb places and then they go in behind that and do what they actually want to do and everyone's so worried about what the accusers which is what they called them, uh, are doing that they don't ever pay attention to Kree Star Force doing what they do. And Kree Star Force is like space, space seals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's what that came off as. Uh, yeah. That the, 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 the accusers are maybe part of the, the more the regular military. Okay. Okay. Like, the, like they're bombing, they're bombing force. I don't know. I, it, it, again, it's so, it's so not, uh, it's not really well addressed. Right. Well, uh, we've done more talking about it than they did in the film. <laughs> literally <laughs> probably more than they did in the writers room. <laughs> oh yeah ronin's there anyway and the uh, ships are gonna look like his ship from guardians except not so you know badass <laughs> because it's the 90s right right everything's a little bit weirder a little yeah. bit more analog did you guys remember that it was in the 90s <laughs> of course on, on hala it wouldn't have been the 90s it just would have been whatever unit of measurement oh. they use oh no brian it's the 90s <laughs> That was just a coincidence. <laughs> it just so happens to be the 1990th year of their Lord. 
Um, hey guys. Hey guys. Remember Blockbuster? <laughs> there's there's Savior Cregis. <laughs> Cregis Christ. That you know, I keep seeing pictures of Cregis where he's got blue skin, but we know damn well that Cregis <laughs> was a purple skinned. <laughs> Well, he was born in the West Quadrant right, of the of planet. How dare you? <laughs> You're just going to put all the people in the West Quadrant into one quadrant, Jordan? But yeah, uh, uh, Jordan, you were right. The, the, the 90s thing just... Oh. So it was cool at first, right? You know, like the 90s. We're getting 90s nostalgia. At we're first, we're establishing brother. a time period, but fuck's sake. Yeah, we got Blockbuster and we got True Lies and we got all the, the, the videotapes. All the what was the one that she picked up? All the right stuff or something like that? Uh uh Don't remember. It was All the Right Moves. The right... All the right moves, yeah. All the right moves. Yeah. Okay. Wait. I don't know. I, I... That was the one she picked up because I tried it was to a pay military attention to it movie twice. that I thought was about the Air Force. Wasn't it was it <laughs> Oh it was the right stuff? Yeah, if it was about if it was about like yeah a, a military ish movie that's the right stuff then yeah it was it, that's what it was because I know it said oh. stuff on the on the box for, for a second I thought Andrew was meaning that this movie was about the Air Force and <laughs> oh uh, no really no. really this film is just a uh, propaganda piece by the Air Force to get more girls to enlist uh, <laughs> Eva Netanyahu. <laughs> So, so let's talk. Let's talk about Carol Danvers or uh, Veers. 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 You know what uh, that almost sounds like, Jordan? Fears. And you know what she doesn't have any? Fears. She's fearless. It's because she is. She's a legitimate super saiyan. <laughs> she doesn't have any beers either. So there's no beers and there's no fears. <laughs> Veers is fearless. I feel like uh, I'm almost I'm this close to an M&M line. Veers is fearless. <laughs> Little beers and smearless. <laughs> so I didn't personally have a problem at all with Brie Larson and the way that she portrayed the character. Uh, my problem lies solely in Carol Danvers as a character. My problem lies solely in the way that she was written as a completely boring one-dimensional character who didn't know what her actual motivation was. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 100% agree. Uh, once again, I will say this, and I want everyone to listen very carefully. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Brie Larson's ability as an actress. Even Net Niash. Oh, boy. Because uh, <laughs> I think she's a great actress, and we've seen that she can do... Whatever she's capable of, you know, given right in right in front of her. I loved her in Room. She's great. However, Jordan may be the only person among us that's seen Room. Yeah. However, I mean, I've seen her. I've seen her in a ton of other stuff. So I, I, yeah, I. I'm just I'm throwing one out there. All right, throwing them a bone. Well, it is the one she won an Oscar for, so that's the best one to throw out there. Yeah. My problem <laughs> is the fact that she was like supposed to be like a fish out of water type character for a little while and she just acted the same throughout yeah like when she's supposed to be confused she's cracking jokes and then she's blowing stuff up and that's cool uh but then take that jukebox but then like she's like having these memories and it's just kind of 
the directors did not do a good job of keeping her on the same track in the same scene. And yes. that's not her fault because no. you show up to, to film the end of one scene 30 days after you filmed the first half of a scene. That's not her fault. That is the fault of the directors and the, the script supervisor and <laughs> just everybody else who's supposed to go, you're angry now. Remember? And going over the character motivation. Now, it is kind of slightly on her, but it is not, there is a checks and balances system on a film set, and she is not the only person to blame for all of it. It is There is so many other people that are supposed to be in charge of what's going on here. And none of them stuff stepped up to the plate. So I don't, I don't feel it is on her at all. Um, I, I think, I think she did. I think she did the job that she was hired to do and that she was directed to do. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the example I think I used with you, Rob was um, the, the, the prequel star Wars movies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was it. Yep. Hayden, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman are decent actors and Natalie Portman's a great actress, but they're both at least decent actors. And especially Hayden Christensen, the prequels was awful. Yeah. It's not on him. That that is on the writing of George Lucas and the directing of George Lucas. Cause sometime after the first star Wars movie, George Lucas lost the ability to direct people. <laughs> Can you be more one note in this scene? I don't want people thinking anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, Keep going on about Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Where else can it get? Can you whine a little more, please? Please. I want Anakin to be whining. Anyway, so but that, but that's the example I use because I really do feel like these directors, and, and this goes to the bigger problem that I have with the, the script and then their direction of said script, um, they're, they're both indie directors um, that – I don't know what Marvel saw, but they they did not, in my opinion, see the right stuff. Oh, call that. Hey, ow, ow. Because I think I think they were probably they might have been overwhelmed by the moment of what they had, you know, um, to do. And I, I don't. I just I think she did what they wanted her to do, and I think their direction was: look, you're going to be a badass woman. And that means you can't have any emotion, which is why they had Jan Rog say you can't have any emotion at the beginning of the film. And then they're just like, yes, that's that's our that's our thesis statement. Badass <laughs> means no emotion. That's what she was. Be a bump on a log unless there's a moment for a joke, Tony Stark. So, I mean, uh, so I want the people who fell in love with Captain Marvel to tell me what her motivations were in this movie. Uh, to get to that bar where she has absolutely no emotional reaction to the things that she remembers. Right. I mean, I guess we're just going to have to wait until Endgame to see if it was just... Because I, I don't think it was poor acting or anything on Brie Larson's part. I think you're right. It was just poor direction. And we're just going to have to wait till Endgame to see if she's still kind of one note and bland. That's why I'm... I'm very excited for Endgame, and I'm excited to see Brie Larson as Captain Marvel in that movie, interacting with other people, because... Because it'll feel like she's Captain Marvel. Yeah, but the way that she was able to play off other people made me care a little bit more. So, like, seeing her scenes with Nick Fury, I was just like, okay, that's kind of fun. They've got, like, a weird relationship out of nowhere, but whatever. I can a weird, completely it. undefined relationship? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it was like a buddy cop thing, and I, I actually liked their interaction with each other. I liked the way they played off each other. Well, I thought they were good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I'm just I'm also saying the basis for their relationship makes no sense. But 
not a lot of things in this movie making sense. Um, I mean, when you really break it down. Fair. Uh, but also, she was really good with um, the girl that played her friend, Maria Rambeau. Um, that was the most. That Lashana was the most Lynch. acting that happened in the film. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. Lashana Lynch outacted everyone. She outacted everyone. Yeah. Until she didn't. Uh, yes. Yeah. Again, the script. Yeah. No, no. I, dude, 100%. I, we we are all in agreement that the script was a steaming pile of horse shit. Um, <laughs> because her friend was super emotional in, in the scene where they're talking in the kitchen. And you'll remember that scene. And you'll remember the scene right after they listened to the black box where she was also super emotional and makes an emotional plea for Captain Marvel to do the right thing. LOL. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> what you'll forget after remembering those two scenes is the first scene where she sees her friend that she thought was dead for six years. Right. And uh, the scene where there's a full-blown green-faced alien in her dining room, and she was like, what up? <laughs> yeah. You'll forget those two because the other two are good. And for me, for me, that's a wash. Right. No, that's That's fair. a draw. That's a two for two, and that's a draw. That, uh, that actually leads, you mentioned the green alien. Mm. That leads to one of the biggest problems I have with this film. That's Talos. Talos, Talos the Skrull, and the Skrulls in general. Um, because when they announced that the Skrulls were going to be in this film... I almost nutted my pants. <laughs> Same. I saw him. It was crazy. Uh, no, I, the, the Skrulls are a great villain. They've been a great villain throughout Marvel's history with the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, uh, just all sorts of awesome shit with the Skrulls. And I, I was hoping this would be a jumping off point. And what we got was muddy water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that water was muddied and muddied and muddied because what it, the, the movie started out with it seem, seemingly them being villains. Yeah, remember when they're on that that outworld planet for whatever reason, and they the the scrolls are are discovered, right? And and uh, Yon Rog yells out scrolls, and the scrolls hear that and apparently can't be disguised anymore. And they start to come out of their disguises and they make that horrifying, disgusting, guttural sound to indicate that they are foreign and terrifying. <laughs> Jump cut. <laughs> Smash cut to. Smash cut to. He's wearing essentially a, a suit in a dining room in Louisiana, sipping a cup of drink with a lid and a straw and and telling everyone really we're just refugees bro can't we can't we live with you he was in the scroll outfit that they had i was just like black and purple and i i know i know but he was wearing a fucking jacket over no, it. no no but what you didn't let me finish he had a blazer on on top of that which there was no reason why he's trying to blend in but but he still has the green face and he still how dare you he has Maybe only, he just liked the blazer. Only a blazer, but god damn it. It's just like that little shit bothers me. Like, why the fuck does he have a blazer on? Remember How dare um, you say he still has a green face, Brian? He's allowed to exist too. Remember when uh Maria looked out the window and she saw her daughter in danger, you know, with a look alike of her, and then uh 
30 seconds later, she puts her daughter on the outside of the room alone on a bench. With the exact same alien. Showing showing no signs of of concern or regard for her daughter whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. And and not only that, but the the the, the turn of them being villains and threats to being I don't know. I don't know what they're going for now. Obviously, the, the refugee. There's a refugee angle, but then be, they also became comic relief. Um, well, yeah. I like all of my refugees to be comic relief. As my science guy, and the guy just shrugs. Like, yeah, remember when you said it turned into a? You said it turned into a CBS sitcom, and then the second <laughs> time I watched that film, I could not unthink that. Yeah, <laughs> you're, my, you're supposed to be my science guy. What the l? And I can just hear the. The lone ostrich in the audience. Ah. Oh, oh, no, that line hit every time, Brian. That line hit. You're supposed to be my science guy. Everyone in the room. <laughs> because all of those people also watch Big Bang Theory. Thank you. Yeah. Sinks it from half court. Hey, let's not bring that, which will not be spoken of. Yes. Um, but yeah, that, so so I just that, that that was again just one of my massive gripes with this movie is just what the fuck with the scrolls like. So I don't like I said I don't read the Captain Marvel comics. I'm not really big into Marvel comics themselves. I'm familiar, but like also at the same time, I'm not totally against changing them up. However, <laughs> they did not change them up in a good way. So therefore. It came off as absolutely god awful. Yeah, it's not the first time they've tried to make the scrolls sympathetic. Um, I, I for the life of me, I can't remember an instance, but I know it's not the first time they've all just been kind of like, "Ah, eh, we're evil." So I know they're trying to go that route with it, but so it, I know it just seemed out of left field. Yeah. yeah, it bothers me more than anything that uh, going forward now having the scrolls existing right now we know that they're a thing the idea that super scroll could be out there but now he's just a sympathetic refugee who's just trying to find a home planet man well uh fun fact uh you heard it here first on pop cannon uh super scroll was actually uh the daughter of talos yeah they're they're just reimagining it Really? Hmm. No, no, them, I just made that up. Literally, oh, God right now, I literally oh. just made that up. But you believed it. You believed it. And I bet we could fool everyone on the internet. <laughs> Let's get it going, guys. We're not going to be ground zero for this kind of fucking... Hasn't Let's happened yet. We can make it happen. <laughs> Let's get it going. <laughs> Hashtag who gives a fuck? <laughs> I, I'd also like. Damn to, it! I was really excited to hear the super scroll was going to be in. God damn you, Jordan! <laughs> I, I, that would have been awesome. Going from the scroll, would it have been Andrew? <laughs> to have the super scroll, yes. Going from the scrolls with their with with how they became basically mostly comic relief. I just want to address the humor of the movie mm. and how almost none of it landed for me at all. Yeah, it's the same way. I think I laughed one time. Exactly one time. I think yeah. they got me twice. Yes, Brian, you did a you did a, a hearty chuckle and a full blown laugh. <laughs> but no kafaws. But no kafawing. <laughs> Andrew, what about you? Uh yeah, I thought there were some funny moments, sure. Peasant. Robert? 
I mean, I wasn't. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't think I kafod. Uh, or whatever, the, whatever terminology you were using a second ago. Guffawing, yes. That's uh, the guffawing. Excuse me, guffawing. So, Thank you. So my biggest. I did kafod. I did not chortle. <laughs> I, I thought there were some funny moments, yeah. Would you like to list them, Andrew? Would you like to list them? Do they involve a cat? <laughs> so I could reach through this phone and slap you in the face. That is my next target. You, know, you want to know what I hate? You want, I robbed, I, he and I talked about this. The scene I hated the most in this fucking movie mm-hmm. was how Nick Fury lost his eye. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Don't make that a joke. Make that something fucking cool. Yep. Uh, make that something awesome. Not just who's a booze cat. And then Colson's like, "Can you believe that?" You, you be-. No. So, so I. Sent- this is Nick Fury we're talking about. I'm sorry. What the? F- it- so, so I sent uh, a video to Robert yesterday on Instagram, and it was a scene from Captain America: The Winter Soldier with Nick Fury when he lifts the eye patch and it's really serious and they played it up as a big moment. Then there was another scene where yeah, it was from some Marvel movie and Nick Fury says, uh, the last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye and it was played up for like a really serious thing. Uh, flashback to the nineties mm. and, uh, he gets scratched by a cat cat scratch fever. Cat scratch fever. Because that's how I like my Nick Fury. On the ground, petting a cat. I'm, I'm 100% convinced that he just turned into Samuel L. Jackson in that moment. Like he was just not acting. And they were like, roll this. This is good. This is good footage. Yeah, that, that, and then they looked at and they looked at Brie Larson. They were like, "React to that in character." And she's like, "Fury, are you ready?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." And they were like, "Cut it, print. We got the shot." He's like, "I'll be right back." Yeah, cut it, print. We got it. Best scene. That's another. That's another part of the movie is just turning Nick Fury into comic relief as well. Like, and and people are gonna argue that oh well, Nick Fury, you know, like he he had time over the years. To, to harden up and get cold and angry, but like it, there was, if you look at this Nick Fury and put him up against the other MCU Nick Fury, it's they're two different characters. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, he had already gone through wars and things like that to this yeah. point. Yeah, even explained it. I really like that they uh, brought in the the whole spy aspect of him. Oh, by mentioning it in passing? Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> I mean, I like that that's in the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They no, show it's it. canon. Yeah, it's canon now. Maybe it'll yeah. show up on the Disney Plus network. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Take a sad song and make it sadder. <laughs> God damn it. Everything's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I, to be clear, I wanted to love this movie. Oh, hey. Right there with you. Everyone did, dude. Right there with you. Uh, look, uh, for the first, you know, like I said, while I was confused as fuck, for the first, you know, act, I was really like hopeful. I was like, maybe this is all going somewhere. Really cool. <laughs> and, and it didn't. <laughs> but I was hopeful until the end of the first, uh, like basically halfway through or the end of the first act. That's not entirely true, Brian. It went all the way to Louisiana, where they plucked a woman off of her couch to fly a spaceship, <laughs> and then. And then 
right before Carol's like, I'll be right there. She was like, hey, little kid, use this alien technology you've never seen before in your entire life to change the color of my suit. And the girl went, I'm intuitive with technology in 1996. Got it. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, That girl puts her face. Carol shows her that there's colors on the pad on her arm. And the girl goes, oh, and like a fucking virtuoso fiddles with the technology, never having seen it before. And it should be, she doesn't even know what a touch screen is yet because they don't exist in 1996. This girl has no iPhone, iPad, Twitter, Instagram. (laughs) She has fucking VHS tapes in her house. She has VHS tapes in her house on her massive television screen that's three feet deep and a vcr and she looks at a touch screen on carol's arm in an alien language and goes oh i could get the colors right i know how to find these exact color schemes the funny thing is i i couldn't even think about that critically because by that point in the film i was already i was already done that's so. That was so late in the film that I was just like, "Yeah, what the fuck ever." She she picked the colors. Okay, fine. Can we just can we just get this over with? Can we just get to Carol? Uh, sorry, uh, Captain Marvel just blowing shit up because we know we all know that's what's coming. Um, so I I see. So this is this is where so this is where we're at, right? So we we said at the very beginning of the episode, or I said, I'll, I'll correct myself. I said. That when you start pulling the threads of this film, it spins wildly out of control. Right. Okay. That is one of those sequences where to to the the casual audience that was full on Saturday at 4.30. Full. The theater was fucking packed to the gills. Packed. Marvel movie, man. Nobody in that theater went, how did that girl do that? Right. They just went... Oh shit! She was neon for a minute, and then <laughs> that was it. That was it. Nobody even took a, a fucking second. Like, wait, that's not how. And you can't, you can't, you can't sit there and tell me that I'm being too critical. Hold on, you, hold on. You, you mean to tell me that they didn't hammer home the point that they were in the '90s enough? Uh. <laughs> Deleted scene. It got me with the loading bar. Okay, the loading bar. I, I that was the joke. That was that, that was, was the, the one. one joke. That was the joke that it it got everybody. The loading bar and the first time you see Goose when they're in the the plane and he goes, he gets throttled back. Yeah, that you that was the other one that you chuckled at. But I was done with that cat from Jump Street, son. Oh no, and that's fair. But they got me. They got me with that one. But after that. It was a diminishing returns with every other goddamn joke involving Goose, including him being a goddamn evidently monster. Flurkin. Flurkin, right. Clurkin, Glurbin, Flurkin, Sturbin, Glurkin. It's an alien entity with a pocket dimension in its stomach. Um, Yeah. Yeah, It has a quantum realm in its stomach. It's a living bag of holding. Wait, wait, did they did they say that on screen? No, but that is what you're reading in every article explaining this film because the film didn't explain itself. Mm. So that all of the Spoilers ahead. Then... We tell you what they meant. <laughs> uh, yeah. I so so this is the point where I have to do this. <clears throat> 
we here at Pop Cannon would like to <laughs> issue a disclaimer that we are not sexist in any way. But <laughs> two issues that I want to just make sure I, I, I cover right now, like Captain Marvel herself, I, I have an issue with how they made her powers completely undefined. Like she seems to be the most powerful creature <laughs> in Marvel's in the MCU. Just, just because. Uh, yeah, and and the only reason I can think of is because girl power. They're like, oh well, our first female superhero lead. You know, let's just make her the most powerful thing. Maybe maybe beside Thanos with all six Infinity Stones. We don't know yet, but. Well, well, Brian. I mean, didn't you watch that thrilling? montage of her at different ages standing up after she fell you mean the montage that would have meant more had i seen her as a child when she was doing those things a montage that would have actually been in a the, the montage that like one of the few things in this film that would have fit right right better into a better film for this character yeah <laughs> like that, that seemed like one of the few things that was actually good that could have been that could have made this film better with a better script i i Honest to God, at first, when that montage started, no bullshit, no word of lie, hand over my heart, hand to God, how, whatever, scouts honor, whatever fucking bullshit you, you swear to, um, I thought that it was a montage of random girls standing up for something. Oh, so like uh, a women's dove commercial. Because <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah, that's, I literally thought that it was like a continuation of that Serena Williams uh, uh, Nike ad uh, <laughs> where it's just girls are dusting themselves off because that's what it came across as. And then I realized, oh, shit, they're all blonde and they're raging in age from her childhood up. Understood. Like, but they're all played by different actresses. Like, should I? Uh, so how the fuck am I supposed to know it's the same character? Fair. That's like, fair. Like, should I... Um recut that scene and put it to an actual dub commercial because uh, no one would know the difference no one would know the difference it's not like the movie was shot cinematically in a way that like you, you, what, you know what you could do you could put any company's logo at the end of that and everyone would be like oh I like what they're doing with their ad campaign <laughs> Nike Tampax <laughs> hamburger helper it Gillette for women <laughs> there there was definitely a, a, a cheese factor in the movie like there's just moments where I'm like come on dude like I it, they felt at home in like a cheesy 90s movie which I don't know if that was intentional or just but like then why not ironic, go full bore with that just, exactly it was just so but the, those moments were just so like uh, well, come on. Because if they went if they went full blown '90s cheese, and we got none of the serious or world shaking, like if we didn't get any of that stuff, I would have been totally fine. Going like, oh, they did a they did a film. They went for yeah. a thing instead of jumping from like a space secret ops mission to a buddy cop comedy to. Uh, whatever it wound up being at the end a, a, literally a girl power film is what it, yeah that's what it ended on and and you know I, I, the, the girl power stuff just came off so heavy-handed there, there's a, there's a way to do that that is that that is just that's great for everyone you know yeah it and, could have been a great message you yeah. know like wonder woman yeah 
Exactly. Yeah. Where everyone yeah. felt uplifted, and I was bawling uh -huh. at the end of that film because they made me care. But they right. they broke their backs in this film to not give her a fucking romantic interest. Broke their fucking yeah. backs to not, not give her a romantic interest, but have emotional range. Oh, I'm sorry, an interest at all. <laughs> yeah, right. Hmm. Other than uh, showing jerks what for that own motorcycles. <laughs> That's another thing. The motorcycle thing. Mm -hmm. She just was able to ride a motorcycle with no prior knowledge. Well, we don't yeah, know that. Thing we, we don't know that. That's another yep. thing Rob and I were talking about where it's like, okay, she's she's she makes all the contraptions with the phones. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that aspect. She keeps she can doing fly it. all these different planes. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like that aspect. It, but why the motor? No, the motor. It was a little thing that bugged me. The motorcycle. Yeah, she just rode no. off on it. I wish because that she just, also that drove. <laughs> I wish that she also drove that train at the beginning <laughs> and Nick Fury's car. Well, guys, she drove a go kart when she was six, so she knows. <laughs> We need a small blonde girl, ages six to twelve, to drive a go kart and crash it into a hay bale. Andrew, uh, it just goes towards what you're saying. It's fine that you're saying that because it just goes towards how the script has so many plot holes. It's a sponge, okay? <laughs> like, yeah. Whether whether large plot holes or small small plot holes like that, it, it's it's riddled riddled with plot holes. It's ridiculous. But I just script want, Bob, I mean, script Bob Squarepants. Six thousand people writing the script. You know? Yeah, uh, uh, and I just want to—I just want to get back to the, the girl power thing because it, it, there was something that really bothered me that, and I'm sure I—I I, I have confidence that at least one of you had this too. Was it the fact that uh, the main character was a woman, Brian? <laughs> I'm going to go past that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, we get to—we get to finally the big fight scene. We get to the big fight scene, and all of a sudden, no doubts, I'm just a, a girl kicks in. I was all right with that. No, wait, wait, wait. Let him finish. I, oh. was, I was absolutely not all right with that because it took me out of the moment entirely. But it's the 90s. It's the 90s, Brian. Not in space. But wait, no, no, no. No, further than that. I could, I, Brian, I could explain your frustration further, okay? Follow me here. Uh, Earlier in the film, like literally – maybe 10 minutes prior to that happening less even or it maybe didn't happen after it i don't remember exactly um when she goes to when they capture her and they send her to central intelligence for defragging or whatever that does that, that that so what you're talking about was before yeah okay so i'm i'm glad it happens before cuz it helps to explain the frustration with i'm just a girl playing right she gets sucked into central intelligence or whatever the fuck it is supreme intelligence sure sure and nobody knows what that is or cares because they didn't explain it um she turns her head because nirvana starts playing and sees a no no no. she sees a turntable playing it okay so this is all happening in her head so it's the 90s i don't know that she would necessarily still have a turntable because they kind of fell out of favor by that point but well let's just say, let's just say she likes old technology Let's just say that she enjoys old technology and she still has her records that they printed of Nirvana. Fine. So she wants to remember that because it makes her comfortable or it's her favorite song or whatever the fuck. Flash forward to we get to the fight sequence where I'm just a girl plays. She punches a fucking dude into a jukebox and it doesn't start playing any music because the song's already playing over top of it. Uh-huh. And now, had she punched him into the fucking jukebox and the jukebox started playing the song, 
would you have a problem with it or would you go, oh, I get it because now that's an explanation for what's happening? Yeah, no, that 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 would have been more palatable. I don't I can't say if I would have had an issue with. Oh, no, I wouldn't have liked it. I'm just saying that you can explain it visually in your fucking medium that you took however long you wanted to write it. It's been 10 years since the MCU has been a fucking thing. And you took 10 years to fucking make your first standalone female film. And then you just, you just piss it away. You punt it. Where, where DC started seven, eight years after you got their female film out first and fucking shoved it up your ass. Uh, the, the only problem that I would have had with that was, uh, I'm just a girl probably wouldn't have come out in the time to be on a jukebox. Yeah. That, again, yeah, the, the timing. So, so I don't even think, that, I don't think the timing works for her to have heard come as you are. So no, no, definitely. It was 95. The, the film, uh, the film I'm almost positive is 96 because she, it's, she gets into the accident in 89 and then she's gone for six years. So that, how would she have heard come as you are? Pretty sure that song man on the moon by REM didn't come out then. That was, yeah, that was in there too. That was for the 1990, 1999 film man on the moon starring Jim Carrey. Right. Yeah. Hey it guys. was on the fucking hey guys, soundtrack the for that film. It's the 90s, remember? Don't look behind the curtain. It's the 90s. <laughs> Why didn't she buy a Wonder Ball? You know, I, I, I grew up she in the 90s. Hop on her so, I, grew, I grew up in the 90s. I loved the 90s. And, and halfway through the film, I was like, fucking enough. Enough of the 90s. I feel like with the I'm just a girl thing, uh, that one of the writers was like, it would be great if... If you know that we had this huge action set piece that's going to be edited terribly, uh, <laughs> so you don't have any idea what's going on, um, and lit horribly too, and we and oh. we put it, we set it to "I'm just a girl" by No Doubt, and then another person's like, "Well, that wouldn't work because that song came out later, and if maybe they were like, oh, we we could do that thing where we set it up and they she punches him into the jukebox and then the jukebox starts playing, and then someone was like, well, wait, didn't Miss Marvel?" put the spaceship stuff together and that was in 89 so why would there be a jukebox from the 90s with no doubt on it yeah and then they were like well let's just play it over instead yep. <laughs> like the editor was like i'm gonna drop this song here oh oh no 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 wait so i get dude i wait hold on <laughs> i just understand what you what you asked me how could she have heard nirvana's come as you are because she wasn't on earth in that time frame. right yeah. Understood. Oh, uh, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, huh. I, I, I guess it's possible that in the time frame of the movie, she somehow heard it on the radio when she and Fury were together. But again, we're writing this film for them now. <laughs> <laughs> we we need answers. Damn it! Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean like she knew exactly what flannel was? <sighs> that yeah. That. All right. That's another thing. When she <laughs> took the clothes off the mannequin, did she just get changed right there? In the streets? Yeah. I don't know. Well, nobody better have fucking looked because she's not there for them. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so what did what did you guys like about the movie? Now that we're, you know, we've uh, discussed some things that were not our personal favorites. Up to par, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> you mean after we thoroughly eviscerated it? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, what did you guys like about it? Who wants to start? I'll, I'll start. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed was that um, that first action scene where she's on the scroll spaceship and she's got the two uh, pieces of metal around her fists and she's got to use that. 
Yeah, that was okay. She's, she's just using that to punch people in the face. I just thought that was a fun little action scene. It, it, yeah. it, you could tell it was going on. Yeah, it's the most. It's the only memorable one for me. Um, I, I, you know, the end scene. Uh, sorry, the end. Uh, the end battle, whatever you want to call it. The end. Her wiping everything out of existence. Um, like I, I was. I liked the fact that it looked cool. Uh, the special effects were were decent. Um, you know, but again, it was like, Jesus Christ, nothing can stop her. <laughs> these, 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 these crews or these bombs that, you know, tear civilizations asunder. She just stops one and then throws it back and then flies through the explosion and then destroys an accuser ship. And, um, but it looked, it looked cool. Uh, I mean, I haven't read a whole, whole lot of Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, but from what I understand, she is very powerful. Okay. And if you were going to go with this origin, she did absorb, you know, energy from uh, an infinity the, stone. The Tesseract. Yeah. Which is another so, thing we I haven't mean, covered, but yeah. Well, it's because it's inside of a fucking cat for most uh, of the movie. And... Well, all right. Well, we'll we'll finish. Let's put a pin in the Tesseract. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the with the uh, with the content of the film itself of the story but i loved the stanley marvel studios oh, intro. that was oh, dude. I, I i almost cried <laughs> i looked Absolutely. over at i was like choking up and i look over at michelle and she's wiping her face off and i'm like oh no yeah, yeah. like look away real quick i want that i want that to be the buffer of every marvel film going forward me too. There's no, there's absolutely no reason why that cannot be the buffer for, because there's no reason with every new film, we still should not be thanking Stan. And that, and that's fair, but I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment because Disney is Disney and that I don't, I, I would not expect that. Brian, Disney's never ruined anything else ever before. <sighs> I will jump through this phone and attack you. <laughs> just like they didn't ruin Doug when they got it from Nickelodeon. Just like they didn't ruin Star Wars in its ex- entirety. And just like they're not, you know, they didn't just fucking bungle this movie with a giant mess. So what I liked, um, I will say my, my, I will give it, I will say two favorite sequences. Cause you guys, you said the fight sequence against the scrolls at the beginning on the ship. Yep, and Brian, you said the end battle when they're in space and she's flying through everything and destroying everything because she's awesome and not having any protective gear on her face. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I liked at the beginning. I I, I enjoyed the the uh, the Cree memory machine. I really fucking liked that as a concept. How they did it, I hated where they put it in the film <clears throat> because if that were little later on when you kind of have set the stakes and know what the hell's going on it would have been more monumental and would have been more meaningful to the story so what if what if they did this what if they started the movie with that yeah we got all of the flashback sequences in full right and then and then you along with her have to piece together the story as it's happening yeah fantastic Fantastic. Like she comes out of it and she's kicking ass. We get that cool fight sequence and we're like, and then she's just, she's like, what is happening? My name is Veers, you know, but I'm seeing all this stuff. Right. They're saying my name is Carol. I don't understand. Right. It would have been, it would have been great. It would have been great. It would have been so good. Then she starts uh, to question Jude Law's character. Yeah. Cause she's you like, start off with the uneasy. Like, yeah, 
that would have been fantastic if they had just swapped that chunk to the beginning it would have been awesome i would have like the first half of that film would have been fucking sweet for me the other scene that i really enjoyed was the chase sequence on the train Mm -hmm. yeah that was good action-packed a lot of fun she's kicking ass there's intrigue because she doesn't know which one of them is a scroll and she realizes that it's the old lady because it's the old lady that bumped her off of the train. Yeah, and I like that the other people on the train are like trying to hold her back. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, she's punching an old lady in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in the 90s, you you could get away with holding somebody back when they're fighting someone. Now you just take your phone out. <laughs> yeah, world, world star. See, I didn't like... <laughs> Thank you. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> world I star! Didn't like, I didn't like that scene uh, only because... The editing of it was terrible, and that's one of my biggest problems with that, this film. The editing, dude, the editing throughout was disorienting and confusing, and I don't know. At it, like at at the beginning, I'm like, oh, well, maybe this is the intent. Like they're trying to confuse you, and later on, it will tighten. And it did not. No, tighten. it did not tighten up. Someone, I saw someone break down a scene, and uh, there was like. Seven cuts in two seconds. Yes. Wow. Yes. It's, like, dude, it is uh, almost. It is almost Liam Neeson jumping over a fence. Oh, dude, you you took you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say that. Hey, uh, I thought the special effects were great. Um, all the the makeup on the Cree, or excuse me, on the on the scrolls, they looked awesome. I loved the makeup on the scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. I love that it was a practical effect. Yeah. Me too. They were wearing masks. That's fucking awesome when they would change that was yeah. cool yeah that was cool too and it was like kind of gruesome yes. almost. I don't know, it I looked like painful yeah. yeah like i felt bad for them mm-hmm. um, the the de-aging on sam jackson and clark Gregg. phenomenal it was amazing. so i had a little bit of an issue with that because there were a couple scenes where to me it they looked a little plasticky yeah 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 because you, you what you do with that is you put you put a pros a small prosthesis on to help you out so you don't have to do the entire thing all the time and there i I definitely agree especially on the second run through there are definitely some times when i'm like that kind of just looks like sam jackson now yeah um there are a couple times when colson looked like a mannequin to me yes yeah it was more so with colson than i felt uncanny yeah yeah um and and that's that's disappointing with We've seen how many <laughs> we've seen Kurt Russell de-age. We've seen Michael Douglas. We've seen um oh god, Ant Man R- and Wasp. We RDJ. saw we saw Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer. Good God. RDJ. Um, yeah. I, I think part of the problem there is Sam Jackson literally needed it the whole film. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Versus just like a scene or two. But then this just goes with, you know, well, maybe don't do that. I was gonna say, whose fucking fault is that? <laughs> they greenlit a film where it was like we'd have to de-age him the entire film, and they were like, Well, black don't crack, we're good. <laughs> so for me, for me, the bottom of the MCU includes Iron Man two, Iron Man three, Thor one, and Ant Man. Okay. For me, that's like the bottom four, and this nestles softly between them. You can't rank what the worst one is because none of them are bad films, but this is certainly one of the worst. Right. Agreed. 
I don't know that Ant Man had the I don't know that Ant Man had the technical issues that this had. No. I don't know that Iron Man two or three had the technical issues that this had. I don't know I can't say for certain that Thor even had the technical issues that this had. Because Thor had a fuck ton of CGI until they went to Arizona for forty five minutes. <laughs> New so, Mexico. Yeah, New Mexico whatever the fuck. They're the same fucking state. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Give it back. Uh, <laughs> land of, land of enchantment. <laughs> um, so, but like, that's my point is like, I don't think that this, this isn't the top of those as someone had alleged to me. Um, and I don't think it's the very bottom, but finding the very bottom is not a game that I want to play. I want to dump it in there and never fucking see it again. So I, I agree with, with, the, with that statement. I don't agree with, you know, the, all the films you listed, but yeah, I agree. It's definitely, it's definitely down there with Thor with Iron Man three um, I, this is, I don't know whether I'm going to buy this on Blu-ray, um, which is the same thing Ooh. that happened. Yeah. Which is the same thing that happened to me with Iron Man three. I have Thor because I love the scenes in Asgard yeah. and the, and the yeah. Loki and Thor fight. I love yeah. that shit, but I, that's, that's an hour of the film that I watch and I don't watch the other 45 minutes or 50 minutes, however much it is because fuck that shit. Um, but yeah, so I don't even I don't even watch Iron Man three. I you know when it was leading up to Infinity War, I just went on YouTube and watched the, the last big battle, you know, which was cool. It's really all you needed from it, and for this for this honestly, that's all you really needed from it too. Really, all I needed from this was um, <clears throat> just that Avengers uh, Endgame uh, mid credit scene. So that that scene alone made me really like what they're doing with Captain Marvel. Yeah, and it, she had one fucking line. And it was at the end of a two-hour film that everyone has completely forgotten they've watched. Yeah, fair. That kills me. I can't. It, it fucking boggles me. I'm excited for Endgame. What about the two hours you just paid for? Right. No, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. No, no, no I know. I'm just frustrated by the reaction that I'm seeing, which is just rainbows and gumdrops. I liked it. I can't wait for Endgame. No, I think there's a, there's a fair amount of, of self-delusion. Oh my god! Yeah, there's a fair amount of that going going with the reactions and reviews. I wonder how much of it coincides. Jordan, you'll you'll enjoy this. I wonder how much of it coincides with the blind Becky Lynch fan club. Mm. Overlap. No, I I just wanted to point that out because I feel like there's definitely some overlap with just she's a woman and I like that and that's it. That's really as far as that's going in anybody's brain. Right, and that's fair. I don't know, just. I, I hate saying that the whole movie amounted to the the post credit scene, but it kind of did. Really like the post credit scene. Well, yeah, because I was excited to see her. Because it was clearly directed by the Russos. It might actually be a scene directly in the film, like what happened at the end of Ant Man with a scene directly yes. from Civil War. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna be and just like and just like the Civil War scene, you think it's one thing, but it's another. Right. Yeah. Which is gonna be really exciting. It's going to be great when Paul Rudd is standing behind them. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, um, I didn't know it was Rhodey. I thought it was Paul Rudd walking in oh. at first. Um, but now that there, you know, some of the reviewers that I trust, uh, that I, I watched the reviews before, uh, the screening that they, they made a great point. Like, um, I, I don't, I don't agree that age of Ultron is a filler movie. I love age of Ultron. I, I, I get that criticism, although I don't agree with it. Yeah. I think age of Ultron was way, way, way underrated. Right. Yeah. Just like Thor two. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I absolutely feel that this is, this was a rushed, like this film just feels like it's there because we need her in Endgame. That's it. 
Yeah, you know? it's a, it's a stepping stone. Yeah. And I I hate I hate the fact that Captain Marvel is a stepping stone because it should be this big moment and and they should have a character that all the little girls could look up to and want to emulate and she's super powerful and it should it just... be an anchor film but it's not. Yes. Well, I just hope she's done justice in Endgame. I have every confidence. Yeah. I have every confidence in the Russos. Well, that's where we'll find out if it's her acting or if it's actually the directors. Yeah, they know they know how to make a quote girl power end quote moment land like an in Infinity War with uh, with Black Widow with uh, with um, Scarlet Witch Nebula even. Well, no, it was because there was the three of them. Um, oh, when they were fighting. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Midnight. No, Proxima no, but Midnight. I mean, yeah. just in general, there was there were more. There was more than just that one sequence where where it rang true for the women. Oh, absolutely. No, but and, I just I'm using that scene as the yeah. As the, no, the and main, that's a fucking yeah. great fucking scene. Yeah, yeah. So they know how to do Proxima that. Midnight. Yeah, when they yeah. Fr- along yeah. with yeah. The, the I can't remember her name, Lyra the Dora Meloje, but um, but yeah. So they they know how to do that. So I have every confidence in them. All right, so let's unpin the Tesseract. Oh, fuck. Mm, here we go. You thought you were going to escape without me getting back to this. There's no fucking way in hell. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fucking way. Much like uh, much like the little black holes that open up that the, that the space stone causes. <laughs> we're, not, we're not escaping from this. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the Tesseract will uh, turn up. Oh, Christ. Just, just, it's just, it's just another, another thing that it's just like, let's throw it in there to ground this within the MCU. Why wasn't it the power stone? Why? Korath is looking for it at the fucking beginning of guardians. So, so he doesn't know that he's looking for it, but he's looking for it. There's an, because everybody knows what the Tesseract is. There's an in canon explanation for that, Rob. And the reason why they wouldn't do that, um, because in canon, uh, the power stone in the orb has been on Morag for like a thousand years, so they couldn't do that. Yeah, but, but they, you think they give a shit about time? They can't even figure out fucking eight years with with homecoming. I, I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I'm just saying. And time is different in space, anyway. Is it? It's the you 90s. You can fucking Rob. explain it any way you want. They it's, are the fucking makers of dreams. The research that oh god we didn't even get into and that Benning's character and everything but oh oh I forgot she even fucking existed yeah exactly yeah they didn't do a good job with Marvel no so let's just not at leave all. it at that so Marvel has been on Earth and has been working with the Tesseract somehow she got her hands on it from from God knows I guess Shield because it's Project Pegasus which evidently was mentioned in I think Iron Man two at some point um, but yeah it, it's it's crazy it's just like here's the Tesseract. So, so you we're led to believe because Howard Stark took it out of the ocean from Captain America, correct? Yes. At the okay. end of Cap- at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger. Yes. Okay. So, so Howard Stark then has the Tesseract in his possession, and that's what the the fucking forties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we we don't know. I mean, he's one of the founding members of Shield, so I guess sure. we're supposed to assume that Shield had it. Right. So somehow. Uh, a a a Cree yeah. comes to Earth, <laughs> lives among the humans, starts a revolutionary weapons program. Turns, she turns herself around, 
from from wanting to destroy <laughs> the fucking the scrolls to wanting to save the scrolls pre nineteen ninety six creates a fucking space station that cloaks itself pre and, pre nineteen eighty nine and mm. she shuttles them she gives them the the secret coordinates with which they hide themselves on it but not all of them but some of them and half of the families are separated at the border and god damn it this president needs wait i'm sorry jesus christ um Um, easy um but yeah so and somehow she gets her hands on the tesseract and has it on board the cloaked kree cruiser and that's what's powering her ship the the cloaked kree cruiser brian and then that's what explodes and gives and gives uh, Carol Danvers her Captain Marvel powers. The cloaked Cree cruiser. Yes, it's uh, it's a good band name. It's three Ks. Yeah. They could, for short. <laughs> that's, that's that's what Rob was going for. Thank, Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. As before, she has it on the space cruiser, though. She she has it in her little ship that she made or it whatever. And they won't let girls fly planes in the military because it's the 90s. Or no, it's 89. Sorry. It's 89 still. They won't let girls fly planes, so they have to resort to mega dangerous secret ops. And one of them, one of their ships gets shot down and the government went, well, fuck that. We don't want uh, this getting out. So they buried the entire thing, which is the genesis of the fucking film that we don't find out until a reveal that doesn't matter. Right. So we see Jan Rog is the actual thing that comes out of the dust, not a scroll as we were led to believe. Right. Uh, which leads me to believe that the Kree fucked with her memory as opposed to the scrolls fucking with her memory, even though the scrolls are the ones that have the memory machine. Oh, ab- absolutely. It's, no, it's absolutely stated outright that, that the Kree brainwashed her. The Kree, the, 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 it's stated outright that the Kree brainwashed her. But again, it's stated so late in the film that it's like, well, yeah, obviously, duh. So then she, rather than allow the Kree to get a hold of the Tesseract, that she still doesn't understand what it is, she shoots it and imbues herself with this power instead of dying, which makes sense because that's a fucking classic superhero origin. So right? no, no. Totally. So I don't, I don't think that's right. Well, the Tesseract was just powering the, the engine, so she shot the engine. The core, she shot the core. The Tesseract was never on the ship. But what? the Tesseract, so the Tesseract wasn't on that experimental ship. It was, it was up a, in the spaceship. Yeah. It was, it up was the, the remote core or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and it, it powered the core. Source. Did they call it a remote core? No, they called it a, it a, hyper, like a hyperdrive core or something like that. I don't know. Um, it really doesn't fucking matter. So how does, how did, when you eat an apple. You have some of the power <laughs> from the Tesseract, right? Yeah, it was powered by the Tesseract, absolutely. Yeah. When you eat an apple. <laughs> where, pray tell, is the core? <laughs> no 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 they they called it the they called it the engine they called it the engine the fucking tesseract has been called six thousand things in 11 no, 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 years no. i'm saying the tesseract was powering the engine of the ship remotely right and when you put gasoline in your car where does it go so so what, what I, I what i think they're suggesting again we're writing the script for them but um what what, what it seemed is that the Tesseract, when, when, when Carol Danvers is on the cruiser and takes it, the Tesseract out, it's hooked up to a, a device that it seemed to me was, go, was, was used to siphon the power of the Tesseract and then put that, much like, much like uh, Arnim Zola did in the First Avenger to power the Hydra weapons, um, siphoned it off and put it into the core that she used in the ship. 
And then when that core exploded, that's the power that that Danvers got to become Captain Marvel. So all of that explanation just to tell me that she's not powered by the actual Tesseract slash Space Stone, but no, just is. a part of it. It, it, again, it, it's it's murky. It's murky at best. But yeah, I, I think that's what they're try, trying to say is that she she got her powers from the Tesseract, but it, not directly. It, it, look, so, it's, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. There's no that, doubt about in it. In that way, is she going to be the analog for Adam Warlock? <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, because he's pa- in Infinity War. He's powered by the Soul Stone. Yes. Yes. So, did we just make? Wait a minute. No, I, I, I don't, I don't want to do this cocoon. anymore. <laughs> my brain hurts. <laughs> this movie has made my brain hurt so badly. Dude, and like any good film, any fucking sense. And like any good film, it's open to interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest works of art are. <laughs> you you have to fill in the blanks yourself. Like your favorite Salvador Dali painting. <laughs> You have to interpret what it means. The clocks, they are a melting. Um, uh, so, so, so wait, so, so then, so then, so then, so the Tesseract is, is on the Kree spaceship thing. Yes. Where all of the scrolls are. And none of those scrolls ever go into business for themselves. They live among it. <laughs> she told them not to send a distress signal. Right. And that's what you do to people that you're trying to terrify. Oh God! You tell them that if anything, if they do anything out of the ordinary, they'll get hurt. That is how you keep someone captive. Um, remember that that guy in Cleveland? Never mind. Um, oh God! No. Uh, Jesus so, <laughs> so, so, so then they put it in the Happy Days lunchbox because oh, yeah, and then the fucking cat eats because it because the '90s because the '90s right, and then the cat eats it. And then the cat pukes it up on Nick Fury's desk in a hilarious moment after the credits uh, that landed for everyone, apparently, but me on Earth. Um, It it didn't land for me either, man. Yeah, I have no affinity for cats, so I'm out immediately. Same. Um, Yeah, well, Jordan, you're allergic to them. I just don't like them. (laughs) Me too, severely allergic. I I, I, I like cats. I have nothing against cats. I like cats. Dogs, cats, I like most animals, but but this fucking that 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 no that did not no. So so then so the cat pukes it up on Nick Fury's desk, and he comes back from taking a piss, and sees that the tesseract is just laying on his desk in all of its power, and he puts it in a briefcase and shows it to Doctor Selvig, twenty years later. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. And he was doing what with it in that time? Oh. Nothing. And how long did it take him to write the Avengers Initiative? <laughs> Twenty years. He couldn't find anyone for that long, all right? Until Tony Stark made a suit of armor. But <laughs> so you mean to tell me that he was looking for heroes for 20 years and the first guy he found was a rich prick that got that fucked himself in the middle east <laughs> fantastic <laughs> mr stark i am at my wits end here please tell me there are more aliens and look at this cube <laughs> i'm guessing it's that completely we're gonna get... unraveled the entire universe <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and uh draw an answer to your question, Robert, of what he was doing in the 20 years in between. 
because we'll get all those answers and more in the Black Widow prequel. Oh, yeah, I guess we will. Please don't fuck this up. (laughs) Black Widow takes place in 1998. (laughs) No, 2001, all right? Oh, yeah, yeah, 2000. No, it'll be great if it's the early 2000s, because then she could wear all denim and have her hair bleach blonde like it is in fucking Endgame. Yep. And then what song will play? What song will play for her? 2002, Hot in Here by Nelly. Teenage Dirtbag. No, that was... Andrew. It's got to be a girl. It's got to be a girl related song. Oh, yeah. Hot in here could be taken as misogynist. Yeah. Um, I am. I'm legit. So sad right now. (laughs) (laughs) This conversation has made me so sad. No, no. We'll say we'll say Black Widow's 2002 because then we'll like a few years. It's post 9-11. There's a little bit more intrigue there. Uh, The world is still new again. Um, But it's song from 2002. Girl power. Oh, man. Please, please stop. (laughs) The song would be Work It by Missy Elliott. Thank you. Perfect. Fucking nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. Um, All right. So for Pop Cannon, I'm Jordan. I'm Robert. I'm Andrew. And I'm Brian. Thanks for bearing with us. Stay tuned for our next episode uh, where we're going to be trying something new. And we will be uh, reviewing a pilot episode of a television show. And there may be a small continuity error <laughs> on my part in a discussion early on in this episode. <laughs> but just bear with us. It's fine. We retcon everything. Yeah. And then the Tesseract shows up or something. <laughs> just have the cat swallow it. I'm allergic to cats. The Flurkin or Fenkerman. No, no the Flurkin. It's Swedish. It's a Swedish alien. <laughs> you know, Hagendaz isn't actually a. Uh, it's a made-up word. Are you still there? The episode is over now. If anyone's still listening. And there you have it. Episode 11, all about Captain Marvel. That was something. Look, we didn't want to have an episode where we were all negative and putting stuff down. We did that during our last run, all about NBC's failed powerless. Having a full episode of negativity doesn't make us feel good about ourselves. It's just that there seems to be some blind faith in the Marvel Universe that pushes people to only think happy thoughts. And I know I don't speak for all four of us when I say this, but I can't help immediately get cynical when everyone is just nodding in agreement about something. I have no problem being the only one going, nah. If you did like the film, more power to you. But I want specific reasons why. Hell, we just gave you an hour and 20 minutes of it, of our reasons why we didn't like it. So if you liked it so much, you probably have some reasons. Not just, that was cool, I'm hyped for Endgame. Do you have any idea how many times I saw that post already? This wasn't Endgame. It was its own two-hour film. If you'd like to tell me, or any of us, just how wrong our opinions are, feel free to reach us on Twitter, at PopCannonPod, and on Facebook, at PopCannonPod. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube by searching PopCannonPod. Don't forget the K which is what much of your responses to these points will be. 
We're available on almost every major podcast platform, including, but not limited to, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. If you'd like to seek us out individually to tell us just how wrong we are, I, Robert, can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Yesball. Jordan is on Twitter and Instagram at JL24FPS. Andrew is on Twitter at Flavored underscore Red and Instagram at Android Skeleton. And we still can't find Brian. One minute, he's in his office at S.H.I.E.L.D. barking orders and trying to get this alien invasion thing locked down. And the next, he's out in the field with us trying to get as close to them as possible. Turns out, when he was in the field with us, he was an alien all along. So where the hell is Brian? How did anyone know that he was our boss? Solely the subtext? But shouldn't we have been made to know who he was? What the hell happened to him? You know what? At this point, fuck it. Our next episode is a fun one. Hopefully you won't completely throw us away.